Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jessie Parker-Humphreys and producer Becky. Becky, we missed you on Monday. Are you feeling better? Yeah, I am. It might just be hay fever, you know? After all that, after, after all that, that drama. drama. Well, that's a cheap <laughs> excuse for a reason mm. not to come to work. Um, yeah, but I'm actually I, but really I woke respected. up and I was like, ugh. Um, but it hasn't really gone away, but it hasn't got worse, but it hasn't got better. So I'm like, maybe it is just hay fever. Have you tried an antihistamine? I haven't, yeah. I haven't. I must admit. You know, that you can get... It winds me up so much when someone's like, oh, I'm, I'm in pain. I've got a headache. You're like, we've taken paracetamol. No. What? Well, I don't know what it is about it, though. I'm like that if I have a headache. For some, it's a headache is, I will just not, I'll just be like, I can ride this out. And I, okay, fine, but then don't moan about it. Well, okay. <laughs> wow. Also, and, and histamine Sorry, is, and histamine is amazing because it will, like, it, it gets rid of that. Oh, this is boring, fever Quite quickly. Move on. And you know, you can get an injection. You can get a, like an antihistamine injection at the start of the hay fever season. Wow. And um, it carries on you sunsets. Through. I was watching last night. They got one of those. I like, you, I like the way you drugs. called it selling sunsets. That was very dad sunsets. of you. <laughs> Plural. Selling sunsets. <laughs> they got the IV drip where yeah. you hydrate yourself before you. And Mary like ripped her thing out. Yeah. Is that the one that Sammy and Nasri got and got in loads of trouble? Do you uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what specifically goes into yeah, I don't know, she, into them. She was like vitamins. Yeah, it was just it, ironic because it, it was part of a drug scandal and they were just hooking themselves oh, yeah. up. It sounds quite dodgy. What a show! I, I finished know. the series. Have you finished? No, it? I've got. To, I'm I'm saving it, rationing it. I've got two episodes to get. <laughs> I'm upset. I'm all over the place because I keep looking at my phone while watching it, and then like the well, problem I find with shows like that is like everything happens and nothing happens. Have you got to the drug allegations yet? Well, I think I've already watched it without realising, but now I've gone God's backwards. Sake, I've gone backwards because... I don't think you can have watched it because that would make anyone look up from there. So yeah, on, Friday, so on Friday, I got home and it would release last Friday and I sat in front of the sofa from about 4.30 to... <laughs> sorry, in front of the telly on the sofa from 4.30 to 7 just watching Selling Sunset. But I... Like the world just passed me by. I was just doing other things, and then my flatmate came home, and and it, you know, when it's like Netflix says, "Are you still watching?" It got to that point, and she was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and I thought, God, I actually couldn't tell you much of what's happened apart you from need to, you need to that woman. More. It is the best TV. This season is this maybe the best. A, this has been the best season in a very long time. Do you time. Know this thing? Nicole yeah. is un. Hinged. Unhinged. Do you know who She's is such actually, a good baddie and you know, I love Bree. No, do you know who I'm actually is kind of growing on me? This is kind of wild because she's really lent into trying to be the new Christine is like Chelsea. Yes, I like Nemesis Chelsea. brand. No, is who is growing on me is Emma, who I used to find really annoying and now I think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, no, I and I her. would fully go out drinking. I hate her. When with they Emma did when they did that bit uh, that bit about Harry Styles' house, I was like, I can't handle this. When he was like, I wonder how big his shoes are. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um I that was painful. So, like, I think Chelsea and her stuff with Brie. And I mean, it that is, is so, a bit strange. It is so yeah. funny that they've got one of Nick Cannon's baby mamas. Baby mamas on. Yeah. One of like, like 12. They were like, whatever. we could pick, take our pick. There's so many. <laughs> but she is being fucking weird about it. But also, I'm like, a Christian woman and I find it very uncomfortable. She's fine. Also, obviously, queer Chrishell is like the best thing Literally. ever. Literally. Yes. She seems so. She's like a walking when advert they, for like going <laughs> queer and seeing how much happier you look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they're in Apart Palm from Springs. you, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Savage, but no, but I had, to, I had to, I had to break. I did have to break the bombshell in the group chat that their marriage was fake. 
Yeah, someone I know. did some digging. I'm very gutted about that. Someone did some digging and like the whatever California they'll get, they'll get married. It's fine. civil court, and it was a PR stunt. But we do know that they probably will get married. I soon. also love that Chriselle uh, was just like, right, I know this like drag bar and palm strings. So I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah. Chriselle, really like leaned into the culture. And everyone looked like miserable about it. I was like, Chriselle, I'll go to the drag bar and palm <laughs> and they, strings. And they, Mary's like sobbing in the. <laughs> and they just left. And they just her? left her to go to the drag bar, and I was like, fair play, girls. <laughs> also, what same. is would do the same. What is so just classic Hollywood is the fact that within the first five minutes of the first episode, she is like basically humping G Flip in the studio. They're just like snogging each other's face off. And then Love it's it. also like, and G Flip's new single is out, guys. Make sure you listen. I was like, perfect. We're getting paid off. I love that they call them G. Because I was like, you can't be calling your partner G Flip. Like, if you were going out with something, you can't be like, oh, hey, G Flip, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But the, together, they're so hot. It's crazy. They're just extremely hot together. Yeah, I love that for them. Also, I love Chriselle constantly making digs about Jason's young girlfriend as if she doesn't have I an know. incredibly young partner and as they well. do they do bring it up at one point because they're like, isn't G like 28 or something? <laughs> wow. G Flip has been an avid Collingwood Football Club supporter since birth and Aussie rules. Yeah, Chriselle's got the show and, and everything. And AFL Women's Advocate. Thank yeah. you, G Flip, for your Thank service. They even, G they even G Flip on counterpressed to advocate for women's <laughs> AFL. When? I think they even performed at one of the AFL grand finals, like the women's Huge. ones, a few years ago. And will G Flip be in Australia for the women's <gasps> World Cup? Won't we? Sp- oh my god, G Flip and Chriselle. And they've got they've got that US tour that they keep promoting. And the gay I think penguin. Might... All the queer well, icons they were doing there. LA Pride. I think it's either this weekend that. or next weekend with Fletch, Fletcher and G Flet. Wow. And I did look up flights and then I looked at my bank account. <laughs> How much are flights? Flights were only like £500, but I truly have no money. Okay. <laughs> I really want that to That sounds go. really good. Maybe if we DM Chriselle, she'll like send us out. Or should I do it from the counter press Twitter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Some so. Um, hey, babe. <laughs> Anyway, uh, on today's show, we're going to be discussing some big news this morning that Izzy Christensen has announced her retirement. We're also going to be previewing the final day in the WSL on Saturday and running through some of the transfer stories and rumours that have been taking Twitter by storm this week and also chat about England's under-17 Euro campaign, which sadly came to an end this week. So let's get into it after this. So, guys, I'm not going to get a instant breaking news reaction like we did on Monday's show. I can pretend if you want. Okay. Shall I? Yeah, go should on. We do a, should we get back okay. into our role Neil play. Poor role play? Uh, <laughs> no, improv. role play is... Yeah, improv. No, it's improv. improv, not role play. <laughs> improv. Okay, here we go. Becky. Yeah. I've got some breaking news. Oh, go on. <laughs> Wow, you're great. <laughs> Neil Poor changed you. You were scared about that. And now you're an employee. Look at me now. Right, Okay. I don't, are you sitting down? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sat. I'm okay. sat. <laughs> I'm sat. I'm seated. <laughs> Izzy Christensen. Yeah. WSL icon. Oh my God, what? Is iconic, she okay? Iconic tweeter. <laughs> iconic tweeter. <laughs> she has announced her retirement <gasps> from football. Oh my God. I am so shocked. <laughs> I cannot believe it. She is so young. I know. Only 31. Wow. Izzy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You've shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> the woman was too stunned to speak. Um, yes, so that was big news this morning. 8am, ready, 
in with my morning coffee to take that one. She's in. like, I want to make this day about me. Yeah, genuinely. That's how I wake up every day. <laughs> um, Don't we know it? <laughs> obviously, it does feel like. I mean, we have this every summer. We sort of have a few generational players who hang up their boots. We had Anita Asante last summer, Farrah Williams the previous summer. Obviously, our lovely Jilly in January. in January, which was massive. But it does it does really feel like the big generation of England players and names in this league are stepping aside. And that is a weird feeling as it continues year by year. I, I certainly find that. I don't know about you guys. Makes me feel old. I was going to say that. It does make me feel old when someone who's not that much older than me is retiring. I think, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think like the uh, generation of players who, as you kind of said, are like, well... For me, at least, the first players who, when I watched women's football, were like in and around the England team. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is kind of like one of those strange things. But, yeah, people got to move on. People got to, you know, yeah, do what makes them happy. And Izzy is booked and busy. She does loads of men's and women's pundit stuff. She's great on Five rival Live. Rival podcast. She does a rival podcast, but you know... We, I'm surprised we like... we're even talking about her. <laughs> she's done a blackout on this um, news. But she does a lot of City stuff as well. I know she's still, you know, really close with, with Manchester City as a football club. And, um, you know, she's a great gal. So it, I think it's really interesting, though, because we were having a bit of a debate, not a debate, but a bit of a chat on the group chat, because I was saying, like, she's only 31. It's kind of crazy when people are sort of going all in on media side. But then we do have to remember, like, you know, we sat down with Jilly in our episode when we talked about her career. Like, for a lot of these players, they were playing senior football at such a young age that you won't, wouldn't be surprised if you wake up every day and your body is just hurting Creaking. or also you're just kind of over it like you've been doing that life for so long it's been like if you were you know people who work in insurance from the age of like 18 to 40 I think you'd be bored of insurance do you know what I mean it's like the same it's the I same routine I think you'd routine. be bored of insurance from day one true, to be true. But you know, yeah but you know that routine that you get in where it's like if you're a footballer your life is very set like you have a timetable like your life is quite I think it's very easy from the outside to be like that's a dream job like how mm. mad is it to like exactly, want to give it up at 31? quite boring sometimes. Well, yeah. And it is like what you're saying. It's like your whole life is controlled. Like the stuff that you miss out on, you know, as a result of like your commitment to being now. a footballer. Yeah, Weddings. maybe she just wants to go on the lash. And respect it. I respect that. <laughs> That's I, actually what we I, should all read into her statement <laughs> is that she just wants to get pissed. Nothing about working media, nothing that she had a great career. She's just gagging for a drink. <laughs> and fair play to her. <laughs> but I do think I think you know Jen Beattie talked about that when she stopped playing international football is I actually just really want to hang out and have a break and and play know, clapping yeah, games with Amber Gill and and become them. a full time TikTok wag and why the hell not you know like if you've missed endless weddings and birthdays and big family moments then I kind of don't blame you so yeah shout out Izzy Christensen um, obviously uh, it's going to be her last game on Saturday for Everton and of her career so hopefully she gets a wonderful send off in you think that one at like the beginning of the season like you know when you're in school and you get a new timetable and it's really exciting do you mm, think it's like that? that yeah it's such a good feeling isn't mm. it it's like oh what's my timetable going to be getting writing in your planner ooh <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so good what you mean at the start of a season <laughs> yeah do like you do get they get like are... a, a timetable and like every year it's like ooh get Wednesday afternoons off 
you know? Training. Yeah, but yeah, I think you do Katie, get a, ever, they get move everything. Yeah, yeah so that would annoy me. I think you do get a yeah, you get a schedule, but it just moves all the time. And then what happens if your your manager gets sacked halfway through the season? Then someone comes in, it's like having a supply teacher come uh, in for the rest of and the year. And then they're they're doing all your lessons differently. And then you've got Ofsted uh. turning up and trying to shake things up. Who are Ofsted in this analogy? Ofsted are like, I don't know. Yeah, come on, Flo, think, about, think about the analogy <laughs> new, before you throw something in. New new GM or the PFA okay. or LMA coming sniffing around or the F trying to you know get involved I don't know so last day is Christian goes to Man City so this should be a nice the Man City's 11-0 win <laughs> that was that is going to be a bad what, what way a to go out imagine if, if also imagine if she plays and then she just kind of like switches Let's off happen. to let Man City qualify for Champions League yeah would be iconic so let's talk about that final day in the WSL because it there are some not so big games now because of what happened on the weekend, which is a bit of a shame. Arsenal do look like they've got Champions League football bagged unless there's a crazy day at Man City. And they're playing Aston Villa at home, which is probably, you know, could have been... With only of, 50 Aston Villa no, no. fans. <laughs> the drama, <laughs> the discourse. 50, 50 fans, I can have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was too many to get of anything. <laughs> Um, But yeah, that game's kind of lost its shine a little bit. But we've got to focus on the winner-takes-all slash winner-takes-nothing slash (laughs) loser-takes-relegation battle at the Select Car Leasing Stadium because... That makes it sound like if Chelsea lose, (laughs) they'll get relegated, yeah. It's just a weird that situation. That would be a really fun, like, it's kind of like uh, next goal wins. Like, oh, yeah. if you lose on the last day, see ya. That, that would, would be, be That would be crazy. <laughs> um, so, it's, yeah, it's a weird setup because Chelsea are going away to a very big stadium where there probably won't be a whole lot of fans. Emma Hayes is playing a manager who's a very good friend of hers and Chelsea are probably going to win and relegate Reading. So, yeah, it, you're going... I'm mm-hmm. going. The vibes could be... I didn't get a hospitality ticket in the end. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no. What, what put you off? That I thought I actually would want to sit with Chelsea fans. I was thinking of getting a hospitality ticket if we'd already won the league. Mm. Yeah, a little oh, yeah, like fancy Just like up, a fancy yeah. treat. Um, it's just the it? suit. Klesnik's inspires me. Yeah, which is like she's always Sue's drinking always wine and hospitality. But How also, much was it? It was like 40 quid. You do oh. have to remember that Sue, um, you know, has been working in finance or accountancy sorry Sue I can't remember your exact job um, for a for, she's an you know she's, she's retiring so it's slightly different ball game you know when you're I mean, in that when retirement it's, when it's 40 quid 40, 40 no, quid that, that's true. I can, no, 40 I can quid. stretch to that that's 40 quid's opinion, you know? <laughs> 40 quid's oh, stretchable but what I mean is like Sue's doing that in Barcelona she's doing yeah, that, that at nice. the FA Cup final she's living the dream um, but anyway the game has taken a slightly different vibe here because of that but it's still, you know, I don't really know. I just feel like it's going to be an odd one, whatever happens. The closer it gets, the more freaked out I feel. Really? You actually feel freaked out about this? Yeah, because it would be sorry. It would be the would ultimate be so embarrassment. Like, it would be the craziest. Yeah. It would be really embarrassing. I literally said sure. on the radio yesterday, like, it would be the maddest <laughs> WSL final day. Like, yeah. I know obviously the classic one where like Liverpool came and, and won it and that was also a Chelsea fuck up. Um, <laughs> but this one I think would be Losing like an Reading, extra yeah. scale of, of magnitude in terms of like, maybe not in terms of like so crazy, but in if, terms of if awful. If Reading win and everybody else... They, they need 
they need other people to lose as well. They, they need, need Brighton to beat Leicester. Yeah, they need Leicester okay. not to win, which could have feasible. So Reading, Reading have like it Reading all have to something play for, to yeah. play for. Yeah, yeah. it's not like it, it's not like um, the Manchester City Arsenal thing, which yeah. is like possible, but like impossible, impossible. Um, so that's why it makes me on edge. But also Reading have conceded like. I can tell you right now. At least three goals in like the last four I mean, games. I can't, tell crazy. You how, I can't tell you goals conceded on this table, but their goal difference is minus 31. It's not good. Yeah, they've conceded like 50 goals all season, but like their last three games, I think they've lost like 4-1, mm. 3-0, 5- something. Shall I tell you some stats that might make you feel a little bit better though? Yeah. <laughs> so Reading have never won their final WSL match of wow. the season. Oh, that's a lovely statistic <laughs> they lost 4-0 to Man City on the last day of last season Okay, um, they have played Chelsea in the final game of the season twice before I know we won the league losing 3-2 in 2018-19 and obviously 5-0 in 2021 when Chelsea took the title at home interesting one for Chelsea because actually in the past they weren't all that good on the final day of the season. They lost their final WSL match in each of their first four seasons. Wow. But okay, that was quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. But in the and one of those seasons became like 10. <laughs> in, in, their, in their seven completed seasons since, they've won the final game every time, scoring at least twice as well in every Huge. win. So that should make you feel better Massive. because the current Chelsea era, the, the very successful Chelsea era, are very good on the final day. So that should make you breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. Yes, the context around the game is different. You just don't know what's going to happen though, do you? But well, I think it's just also, it is that we lost there last season and I know that's like the silly, mm. like one-off thing. But I remember that game very, very Who clearly. And that game was just like a they total might, clusterfuck. They might just lose their minds. They might just... The select car leasing stadium might might bring back all those terrible memories. Yeah, exactly. also it's the not... sight of Deanne <gasps> Rose might cause everyone to. Also, I just feel like in this kind of situation, it's I just don't feel like it's going to be an environment where Chelsea are going to get overwhelmed or overawed by the occasion because there's it's, there's going to be no one there. It's going to be an empty, quiet stadium in December 2021, Flo, and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, but in that same season. You also, like, smash them. Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> but at and home. You, have beat, you have beat them away by big score lines too. We have. Um, Frank Herbie famously scored a perfect hat-trick, which yep. is incredible given oh. how tall <laughs> Frank Herbie is. But she scored a perfect hat-trick against Reading. But so, she's unavailable. Yeah, Reading's but... most successful daughter in oh. as well. <laughs> Daughter ever. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have to tell you, my grandma was born in Reading. So, so many goals for England Frank, did she score? Frank Kirby moves into second. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. That's competition. Is your grandma Chelsea's all time record is, goal scorer? She is dead, but you know, if she was alive Jesus here with Christ. us, she might, she might argue Emma against Hayes that. Emma would have to put her on the A <laughs> little bit of, you know, local history. My okay. great grandpa well, owned a you... sports shop in Reading called Padwick's. Well, wow, my so. mum went to university in Reading. Did she? Well, so we've got a lot of Reading history in there. <laughs> I have zero links to Reading. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. Um, but also what is amazing, actually, um, just to hit you with another stat, is Chelsea's dominance in the WSL is so huge that if they go on to win the league, which we know is quite likely, that would make it six, w six WSL titles 
and they've won it twice more than anyone else in the league. So you've got double anyone Boring. else's titles. Come on, Reading. <laughs> <laughs> you. So it's kind of, it is when you think about it, their dominance. Like we know that they've been very good in the last three seasons. But actually, when you look at their overall do- dominance in English women's football, it is kind of crazy that when you actually, you know, need to probably take a minute and reflect. And when we talk about those iconic years of Arsenal cleaning up and the way that we view that team. And even though Chelsea are yet to win the Champions League and obviously that makes you know what Arsenal did a, a little bit more special. But we need to really talk about this team and this club in that sort of context really. And I don't think we've done that yet. And maybe that's because we're currently living in the era and when you look back is when you normally kind of be able to reflect. But when we look at that Vic Akers Arsenal era, Chelsea are hitting those same kind of um, Marcus as well maybe not as many in the FA Cup yet but yeah I mean Emma Hayes made a funny dig about this right um, before the game against Arsenal saying like it's not like women's football the landscape of it isn't like that Arsenal era um, basically I think implying that what Chelsea have done is more impressive um, but it's weird right because it's like yes on the face of it it's dominance and I think in 10 years time we'll look back on this time period if Chelsea do win the WSL and, and you know, look at the triple doubles. Um and and that on paper will look crazy, I think. But the reality of it is that Chelsea have won the last two titles on the final day. The title before that obviously is like the COVID title. Um and if they win this one it will also be on the final day. So it's like equally then you've got the FA Cup finals where the Arsenal one is the only one where they truly blew away the team they were playing. And then they've lost two Conti Cup finals in the past two years. So it is dominance and it will be looked at as dominance. But I can't I, believe you're arguing against my Chelsea dynasty. I'm not arguing against generation. it. Like, I think it's incredible. <laughs> and I think, you know, again, what's funny is like I said after the FA Cup, what's so amazing about the three FA Cup wins is they came against each of the three biggest teams uh, in the league. And equally, if Chelsea win the title, they will have pipped in consecutive years City, Arsenal and United to the title. So again, it's like over every single team. But when those titles are so close, I don't know, it just, it's not this like, it's just this season's been weird, right? Like Chelsea could set a record points total, but no one's going to turn around. Like we were talking about this yesterday. No one's really turning around and saying Emma Hayes is manager of the year or Chelsea a team of the year. Like how can you be almost so dominant and win better potentially than anyone's ever done before, but still have this feeling that's like settled across everyone that you've not been is very good? Is it a good? bit like City Man? Like it's, it's sorry. No, but I no, think, no, no because, offense, but like it's a bit boring. No, no, I don't, I, I don't think it's that because everyone still talks about everyone City and Guardiola that City men are amazing. in that brilliance. Yeah, I, I think what's, what's funny is like people, and I can't quite figure this out. It's like this sense of like that Chelsea have been better before. And I don't know if that's like, I think Chelsea have had better seasons before, but Chelsea have also played fucking shit in some of those seasons. And I think, again, it's like that funny thing of like memory that when you're in it, stuff feels worse and you look at stuff, you know. Yeah, the recency bias just kicks in every time. Yeah, but it is bizarre that there's this like kind of idea that Chelsea haven't been very good this year when I they think, clearly have. I think because otherwise they wouldn't be where they are. I think the recency, recency bias is massive, but I also think it's just 
goes back to what you were kind of saying at the start of that, which is everything has changed around the context of the league because there's much more competition. So therefore, what Chelsea have done still looks exceptional, but in a season where there's been some other amazing storylines, people don't point to them as the best storyline and the most kind of impressive storyline. I think that's what the difference is, is, is actually lots of people might look at what Emma Hayes has done this season and what they've managed to achieve and think, OK, yeah, hands down. I think when if you wanted to pick a team of the year, and we're going to do some Count Prest Awards when we do our kind of season roundup. But I think if you want to pick a team of the year, I would say they're up there. But then you, th- a lot of people might say Aston Villa because of the way that they've been the kind of surprise package and gone from, you know, nearly being relegated to, to the massive change that they've had this season. So I think it's just because in and around it, there are so many different things going on. Also, there's like... A, uh, a difference and uh, maybe not Aston Villa but I, I do think there is a difference between like a Chelsea and Aston Villa where Chelsea have like all of these resources and all of the money so like you ha- you expect them to be good whereas Aston Villa are outperforming maybe the resources and the budget that they do have and that makes you look at them as like a more impressive yeah what Chelsea team. what Chelsea have done that is impressive is that where they've spent kind of I think equivalently maybe slightly more but equivalently I think it's fair to say to Manchester City and Arsenal that neither of those yeah. teams have come anywhere close to in the past five years managing what Chelsea yeah. have managed and and that's then like the efficient allocation of resources. It's the opposite of the Chelsea men's team where <laughs> they spend ridiculously and can't seem to, you know, get anywhere with it. Yeah, um, and that in itself is is smart, right? Because you're managing, you're creating squad depth that other teams are struggling to do. Um, but I, Becky, I think you're right. It's, you know, all the expectations shift a bit because we just presume Chelsea are probably going to win the league. So therefore, when they do, the achievement feels slightly different. But in itself, actually, from where they were at points in the season, it's actually a phenomenal achievement to do what they've done, especially in April and May, where they've just gone on an absolute charge. Do you when they lost on the first day of the season? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and also that game against Man City when they looked really kind of all at sea. Anyway, I want to quickly touch on that uh, another kind of you know, big game in the league, which is is going to have some sort of implication because Man U have to go to Liverpool away on the final day, which is actually pretty tough. That Prenton Park fresh air, yeah, compared to what Chelsea are having to do, because Liverpool have had a, a decent end to the season. They had that game at Kings Meadow where you know they they perhaps could have come come away with a point. Um, they beat City at home. Their home record is very good as well. They've won their last three home games. I've just worked out what the funniest outcome of the last day is, is that Reading beat Chelsea, but, but Liverpool, Liverpool beat, beat United. United. That would be so <laughs> That would be good. Funny. I could really yeah. fuck with that. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, in, okay, I'm into that. I signed yeah. up for that. I signed up for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is actually going to be the one that people probably won't keep an eye on, but perhaps should. BBC are going to be there. Sky are going to be at Select Car Leasing. So I think this could be quite a fun one because I just have this feeling that Liverpool are going to do what they've been doing a fair bit this season, which is score early um, and put a lot of pressure on United to fight back. And that could make the last day a bit more spicier than we're expecting. So that's kind of the drama I hope is going to happen. I don't know what your thoughts are, Jesse. Yeah, I think it will be a tough game for United. Um, I think maybe they're lucky in the sense of feeling like it's out of their hands. I'd be very intrigued to see how they deal with that. But they've dealt with all the other 
tough games that have come their way. So maybe they'll be fine regardless. And yeah, those those games are always really funny because it was the same thing with Arsenal West Ham last year, wasn't it? West Ham Arsenal where like wasn't Jordan Nobbs on the bench watching yeah, the Chelsea yeah. United game and obviously yeah, United I was were like winning. next to her in the press box it was crazy yeah, and then it, but it did take Arsenal a while to score um, but that just kind of must end up being so demoralizing I think of that feeling of the the uh, the when you know. like the roller coaster emotions of that game as well and and Arsenal going in at half time also with what the title. are they doing with the trophy because obviously last year it was between west london and east london wow. which felt feasible to you know put it on a motorbike i don't know if they actually did this no oh, i'm wow. pretty sure they've got i think they might have i all of these trophies have like duplicate trophies but do you remember like back in the day of the premier league it would Shocked. be like in a helicopter yeah like, they were like where yeah, are we going to take it to yeah. but they don't seem to do yeah, that but i anymore. also think that's made up for the drama maybe because they got loads of them where would where would they have to go between reading and liverpool where just the hang around on the like helicopter? the m4 Birmingham somewhere yeah go go yeah. on the m1 yeah you'd have to be on the m1 basically maybe like on the maybe like somewhere like maybe like bristol Oh, interesting. Okay. Go, is that, not, is that not too far west, Then though? you go straight up and then you just got to go right... Well, maybe. Yeah. I'll have a look at the... Please <laughs> find out. But yeah, if you go down the M4 from Reading, you would but just hit we've Bristol got, we've got and then Wales. We're, we're on a helicopter. Oh, yeah, we're not we're in a car. Not, we don't sorry. Need, we don't I, need forgot, to be, I forgot the mode of transport. We don't need to be thinking about... <laughs> anyway, um, we've got other things we've got to talk about on... <laughs> no, uh, this is extremely <laughs> important. <laughs> so this um, episode is really giving me um, on the school theme, like summer holidays about to happen. I was really bang on with Birmingham. It's like pretty much right in the middle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've got to get and linger over the M1 in your helicopter. I mean, the helicopter doesn't have to be lingering in the sky the no, whole but, time. But, but it's good if you... Oh, yeah, you've got to have it, it in the sky. Because then if, like, Chelsea score, it will start driving yes, towards Reading. Exactly. But then if Reading equalise, it will go back. <laughs> okay. Have um, I ever told you guys about the time I'm that I... to move us on. Have we're running out of time. Have I ever told you about the guy t- time that I went in the helicopter? Um, it was a Groupon. Oh, when no, I that's went, scary. I when I went to, when I went to really New York, scare me. I, it was a Groupon. Um, and but it was I was just on my own because my friend had already left so I was with me and like a bunch of like middle-aged English women and there was a seat in the front and there was like four of them and they could have sat in the four at the back but one of the women was like I'm going to sit in the front and I was like I'm on my own anyway oh, was I've it been scary? in a helicopter it was uh, it looks no, it was really fine. scary I actually was fine uh. I'm not, I'm surprised you haven't managed to persuade the Athletic to like get commission you to do a piece where you're in the helicopter with the WSL trophy in this made up scenario that we've invented. But I would read that. I'm driving the helicopter that has the trophy this weekend. That's breaking news. news. (laughs) Just so you're aware in this scenario. Anyway, there's some other stuff we're going to talk about. So let's talk about some of the big transfer news that's been going on next. So it's that time of year when people's contracts come to an end, transfer deals are being done, and we've heard quite a lot in the past week. Some of it is still rumours, some of it sounds like it's done, some of it is done. Let's start with the big one that's been brewing for about a year now, Alessia Russo's future at Manchester United. She's obviously been linked to Arsenal, nearly made the move in January Right now, it is between Arsenal and Manchester United in terms of her future. It's really kind of seems 50-50. I think a lot of us thought that the Arsenal move 
uh, was you know definitely happening. I don't know why you say a lot like, of us as if me and Jessie and you didn't have the most stupid long row about where she was going to go. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking in about January. It- no, I'm not talking. We're about- not on the same page. I'm Florence. not talking. About- I'm not talking about in January thing. I'm just no, no, talking no, no, in general. Mm. Talking about in general. The two the two clubs have been fighting for her. Obviously, Manchester United trying to keep her, and in prison with a six year deal. <laughs> no, that's so long. <laughs> but it does. Why do they think a longer deal is what she if 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 she's if she doesn't want to be there? Why do you think offering her six years is gonna make yeah, her want to? Really why is that the offer? Anyway, I don't know what they're on about. Yes, so it's still TBC between those two teams and. We have heard this week that Anya Bache looks like she's going to be going to Barcelona. And it's been interesting because the two fiascos have kind of been going on at the same time. But obviously because Russo is a big English name, that one has been a lot more high drama. A lot of reports in the press about, you know, Arsenal deal nearly done. Manchester United might keep her. Mark's going to be asked about it pretty much every single week of the season. But this Bache one is kind of gone a bit more into the background and then this week there were reports that she's agreed to deal with Barcelona and it does actually feel like this is right now based on the season and based on you know how Man- Manchester United play that this could be the one that actually could impact them so much more moving forward losing on Bache. Well yes I think any club that was going to lose on Abatje would find it hard like she's clearly an exceptional player um but I think people have have spoken about this there's always been a sense of it's just been waiting for the right moment for her to go back to Barcelona she's a Barcelona youth player Barcelona have strange fullbacks no offense Lucy Bronze (laughs) um so it feels like a, a pretty logical thing and I did kind of wonder whether she would like stay to spite Barcelona but I think it's obviously pretty clear that that she does want to go back there and that's understandable they're a very good club she's a very good player um I will say at least United seem to have kind of got ahead of that one by signing Jade Riviere in in January who is also a very good fullback even though we haven't seen her because she's been kind of coming back from injury uh so to that extent I feel like um although they still don't have a huge amount of cover at fullback doesn't really seem to matter because Mark Skinner never makes substitutes anyway. Um, but I think if Russo goes, they feel like they're in a tricky position because then you would assume they need to recruit a striker. And this is why the stuff... I understand why they've like fought until the end to try and keep Batia and Russo because they're both very good players. But it is interesting when you kind of compare and contrast with... Chelsea and Harder and Ericsson and maybe deciding like if players want out you can kind of have or you want those players out or some combination of the both maybe it's better to like get ahead of that and get your planning done and bring other players in have the opportunity to talk to those players because if you were a player looking at going like if you're a striker thinking about going to United now and you don't know about Russo, the club don't know about Russo. How can you talk to United? Because the amount of minutes that might be available to you are massively different. Whereas if Chelsea have been able to go to Cat Macario and say, well, Panilla Harder's leaving and we don't have a backup striker, so we can give you X number of minutes as a 10, X number of minutes as a 9, 
that's obviously a lot more of like a realistic proposal. Whereas United could basically be saying, well, either you're going to play, I don't know, third choice behind Russo, Rachel Williams, and then you're going to play, or you might get all the minutes because we're not going to have Russo and maybe Rachel Williams is leaving. Like, to me, that's the thing that I'm just like... It just doesn't feel very well managed by the club. And it's hard, but and we've seen this with Arsenal and like Viv and stuff like that, right? Like when you've got really good players who you desperately want to keep, obviously you'll go and go and go until it's done. But at it the doesn't same leave time, you with like a backup. Like, yeah. it's, it's like. And that worked out fine for Arsenal because Viv stayed until she got injured. It's like Wayne Rooney but, leaving Everton, like leaving it till the very last minute and kind of bucking them over because you're like, we really want to keep you, but you don't leave yourself a safety net. Of yeah. Like, and like, you what know, goes wrong. City were like very lucky in, in some ways, like that when Walsh went, that they were able to get, go and get Yui. And I think quite late as well. Yeah, in incredibly window, late. Yeah. Um, and I guess at least, you know, like I do think Manchester City scouting is very good. Probably feels like that was a player who they had an eye on for a while and they were like, okay, great. Like we will go and drop like Now's the time. a big fee on her because we've got this extra money coming in from Walsh. But, you know, even even in that sense, Yui's um, success as the, as the Walsh figure has probably still taken most people, I think, by surprise because they were going and buying a 10 ostensibly to replace... Kira Walsh so well also I think you know this uh, this was always gonna potentially end quite badly for Manchester United because it's always about Russo potentially leaving on a free so it's not even like they're gonna get the cash injection that Walsh got and we know a lot of the time they don't even need that cash injection if they're going to invest they can invest but either way the planning was always going to be a bit scrambly because they could have let her go at the end of January and not have enough time to get a replacement literally like on the final day or the day before or do it now. But the next few weeks are going to be critical because people are pushing to get things done before the end of the month. People are pushing definitely to get things done. But they before can't, camps, that's the thing before, as well. Be- before camps start for the World Cup as well to try and make sure that everything is ready for when they can go over the line. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? It's like people are trying to get everything lined up. So the next few weeks are absolutely critical for some of these players because now they're kind of in limbo where it's like a lot of them are going to be going on holiday as soon as the season ends. Then international camps are starting at the end of June. Like there is so much to sort out. But I think the benefit a little bit of having this kind of late-ish World Cup is that hopefully a lot of these sagas will be finished before the tournament starts because last year we had you know a few players bronze and walsh who were still you know it still wasn't figured out by the time the euros were done it kind of adds an extra narrative and rumors and all that kind of stuff but the russo situation hopefully will be over and done with this absolute saga that's been I mean going I don't care forever. I want it to run on I find it funny <laughs> but I also think it's like I enjoy it. It, it there's an impact as well on the rest of the team not even just that one player who's obviously just been dragged to and from constantly but there's also an impact on like you say what signings Manchester United and Arsenal are going to make if it does or doesn't happen or the rest of the squad because some of those players have to decide where their future is as well. So there's other knock-on effects of people who are already in that team. I think Martha Thomas's contract, can't remember, it might be up this season or I can't remember if it's up at the end of next season. And she is now, she's become one of those go-to Skinner subs that kind of like gets thrown on in the 60th minute or whatever. But it's like, there are ramifications for other players in the squad. And you feel like, right, we've got to get to a conclusion now of this absolute soap opera. 
I always thought that the Arsenal deal was going to be done and dusted, but it does seem like Manchester United are trying their damnedest to hold on to well, her. But I guess this is the thing, because Arsenal can't technically do anything till the 1st of July, that's maybe, to go back to my point, where maybe I'm being a bit unfair on Manchester United, is unlike with Honor, where she can go and negotiate a whole other contract, it's kind of understandable that United will push until any other English club club can come in. If Alessia Russo isn't interested in offers from Europe, which you would assume she isn't in terms of not really batting her eyes that way, um, then I'm like, well, yeah, if you are United, you're like, well, I may as well try and negotiate with her for the next five weeks mm. because... Well, we can't move on on stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah, we can't move on English yeah. players. No one can actually come in for her. Mm. You know, she still must have something kind of at the back of her head where she wants that, like offer from United on the board just in case something yeah. happened yeah, exactly. to her. It's telling that she's still entertaining it in the first place, do you know what I mean? It's, it's telling that United is still coming back with offers because otherwise it would be done and dusted, which if there's some hope, then they're just going to keep pushing. But it just feels like, are they ever going to get close to what Arsenal are going to be able to offer her? We'll have to wait and see. Um, I so- can't wait for during the World Cup for all of the Twitter stands to go mental analysing everything that Alessia Russo does, like who she hangs out with. A bit like Jude Bellingham, Trent Alexander-Arnold, That's why I just want it to be done because I can't deal with all that. No, no, I I think that would be hilarious. TikTok is going to be going wild with her like talking to... I was going to say Leah Williamson, but she's well, also she's like best mates with Elton, right? So like, regardless, it's always going to be like she's staying united because here she is with Elton. That's I, I, I just it needs to be done and done. Do you remember when Elton accidentally did that? Like, did that. like, was it like a those pictures? It of was her oh, and it, it was a day early for like six months since they won the Euros, yeah. and it was all like her and Alessia being friends on the day that like the rumours were like it's it was the deadline. Did she delete it? It was transfer deadline yeah, she day. Did. She, she deleted it because yeah. everyone went crazy. Everyone was going mental. It was so funny. Some of the other ones want to talk about from a Chelsea perspective quickly Ashley Lawrence supposedly deal done to go to Chelsea one that's been linked for a while that would be massive uh Katarina Macario we're expecting that to be announced shortly um and it it comes back to what we were saying about Chelsea just being pretty good at having their ducks in a row and also I think that does just take the stress off things in a major tournament year and we've had this back to back now of summers is that I just feel like you want to try and get this shit out the way. Obviously, I know it's easier said than done with some of the rules. Because Why I'm do just you hate thinking it? about I'm trying to think like about you England. Get secondhand anxiety <laughs> from it. I do. I, I would, do. I would right. get it if it was Chelsea. But I think because Chelsea seem to have got their business done. Yeah. Early, you can just enjoy everyone else's chaos. That's why I'm like, yeah, yeah let's, let's roll with it. <laughs> also, there'll always be something for us to talk about at the World Cup. You know? What, if the transfer drama if the, continues? If the football's what, dead. other than the football? <laughs> the football's dead and there's the World nothing Cup interesting. The famously a boring <laughs> bit of the football calendar. <laughs> There'll be nothing else go, to Just talk in about. case, we've got backup. <laughs> yeah. Um, some other news as well. This is more kind of on the departures stuff. Also a big week as players are reaching their final games with clubs. Victoria Williams leaving Brighton after five years. Daniel Carter as well leaving Brighton. Megan Connolly. Kaylee Green leaving Brighton, uh, Megan Walsh as well. Rusha Littlejohn announcing that she's leaving Aston Villa on Shaban's YouTube show. 
Iconic. Incredible that stuff. is just so good. It just nothing sums up the content times in women's football better than that, I think. <laughs> uh, Remy Allen as well, leaving Aston Villa. She's been on a gruelling, gruelling rehab from ACL injury. Um and, you know, definitely deserves to be picked up and get another shot at a club. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to some of these players as well, because obviously we're seeing Izzy Christensen retire, but there's a lot of players who have had similar sort of legacies in the WSL who are pushing on, looking for new clubs. And as much as we're seeing Alessia Russo get offered six-year deals at Manchester United... I, should be th- I googled it, by the way. She's 24. She'd be 30 by the time that... Well, Ella Toon keeps signing out six-year, but fairly big deals there. Um, but... Yeah, it's just interesting when you see other players and the reality of the WSL right now is that there are players who are also just trying to get one-year contracts here and that it's there's there's quite a big gap between what people are fighting for in the mega bucks Lioness superstars and the reality for a lot of footballers. I think yeah, I think sometimes it's important to be like reflect on the grounding and the humbleness of it all cuz not everyone's going to be getting offering those nice juicy deals. So it'll be, it's going to be an interesting summer for sure. Jesse, before we go, I want to touch on England's under-17 Euros campaign because you spoke last week about Michelle Ajiman's amazing goal scoring at the tournament and she's obviously a very highly rated youngster. But England's tournament sadly came to an end against Spain. We know they're elite in the age group competitions. Classic Spain. Unfortunately. But, you know, we beat them at the Euros, so... Um, but they were really dominant in this semi-final weren't they England were kind of clinging on trying to get it to pens and it it just fell apart at the end didn't it yeah I mean the first half England really had to thank Sophia Poor my new favourite goalkeeper name because her name is Poor but she's good at goalkeeping Poor like like no Poor like Poor as in poverty Oh. <laughs> like, oh, I thought it was like poor, like no, 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 poor, no. poor yeah. like. But it's just funny when you're like, great save from poor. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be like, if she ever is bad, poor game puns oh, are going to be. Oh no. Um, anyway, she was really good, uh, <laughs> and she definitely kept England in the game. Um, they conceded to uh, Vicky Lopez header. Um, I, listen, Vicky Lopez is very good at football, and she's like one of those kids who's so good at football. You're like. You play for the Barcelona first team on a semi-regular basis. Mm. Why yeah, she do you have to be here? Banned. UEFA banned her. <laughs> um, yeah, but England really, really struggled uh, just to get on the ball at all. But they came out in the second half with um, just like an extra energy and I think a bit of a belief that they could get at Spain. Uh, equalised through Arsenal's Katie Reid. Um but then they were kind of holding on for penalties and there was just this really unfortunate deflected shot in like the 80-something minute that made it 2-1 and then England were like obviously trying to push for a late equaliser and Spain scored again on the break. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a tricky one because England had, they drew their last group stage game against France um, when both teams rotated a lot of players and that was like one of those matches where you're like, oh, like maybe we should have gone for it and then we'd have topped the group and played Switzerland who lost 10-2 to France. But Ooh. then it feels inevitable that you would have lost to Spain in the final. What's what's more painful? Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah. games the final's fun. But I mean, maybe France would have beaten Spain. True, yes. We'll find true, out true, true. in the final. Or we'll be revealed. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like, it was obviously sad and it is really funny slash not funny, obviously, but like Spain are so good at this level and then 
they I said this on Twitter, but you're like, oh, I wonder what happens to all of these amazingly talented <laughs> players when they get to the senior team. Oh, they have to resign from it because they hate their manager so fucking much. Um, but yeah, they're, they were a really good team. But I thought England acquitted themselves really well and have throughout the tournament. There's lots of very talented players in that age group and it's really exciting for English football. It is. It is. The new gen coming through are very good. It is also weird sometimes watching... Uh, underage group international football because the gap and the depth is so different depending on which nation case in point France, Switzerland right it's like you've got this youth football in Spain which is like absolutely thriving and then you've got other nations who are far less developed and then you've got England who have always been quite strong at youth level like think of the what was it under 20s or was it under 19s which had like Stanway et al in who did really well and on the international stage like there's just there's always been good youngsters in England but I think it's like consistency and also seeing those players get minutes in the WSL like Michelle Aggieman hopefully next season I think she's only like 16 17 right now anyway but Hopefully next season she will push on and get more minutes because she only just made her senior debut. But it's that kind of like pathway, especially at the bigger clubs, which becomes a lot more challenging. We might see some youngsters leave Chelsea this summer who aren't getting that breakthrough right, Jesse. It, it is also interesting how those youngsters develop through the system. Yeah, and those pathways like can be difficult and it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how... Football adjusts to that because on the one hand, you do have players like Vicky Lopez who has broken into the best team in the world um, at 16. And you're like, okay, but is Vicky Lopez just a like generational player? Probably. Um, but it's gonna, it is interesting how like clubs offer up those opportunities. Um, I think the, the best kids are always like, I think sometimes it's like a personal preference thing. Some kids will want to like back themselves and and stay at a bigger club and and think that they can make it and they can push through uh, i think you know chelsea have been a really interesting example in how they've used their loans for kind of their 18 19 year olds in terms of like wardlaw and fox and beaver jones and it'll be interesting to see kind of where those players go from there obviously fox now out for a year with with an acl injury but um yeah I, I just think it's it's the same as as in men's football, you know, it's always going to feel like it's hard to break into those top teams, but there's always going to be moments you never know like when you're going to get a chance to to step up. Um so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. If you yeah. were 16, would you back yourself at Chelsea or would you go out somewhere else? Am I talented at football or you... am I myself? <laughs> <laughs> you're like somewhere in between, like you're not like the star you're not like oh my god jesse park Humphreys is like gonna be the you're not lauren the big, james the big sorry. england star okay. but like you're, you're not you <laughs> um i think i i think the loan system i would like go down that path yeah. i think you i'd want to agnes back, beaver jones yeah yeah where I'd would want you want to go myself to go and play somewhere if you could pick a wsl or championship team that you were going to start regularly in. This is a proper a interrogation. Where'd you go? Um, Bristol I, City. I think I'd like to go to Brighton. Yeah. Um, one, it's 
close, close to, to my house yeah. right now. So that's convenient. It'd be really easy. I'm a yeah. bit confused about who I am. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, by the sea, nice training ground at Lansing. Um, but yeah. no, I think they've got. I like the way they play football, e.g., chaotically, and I think mm. that's fun for a young player yeah. to to go into. So yeah, I'd go. I'd go on loan to Brighton and come back to Chelsea, a star, yeah. and then break into the first mm. team. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love it. Um, that is it for today's episode. Glad we got that out of Jesse. The really important <laughs> I things. I found that really interesting, Jesse. I feel like I know you even better now. <laughs> On Monday, we're going to be recording off the back of the final day in the WSL so that should be fun and then on Wednesday we're going to be previewing the Champions League final and reacting to the England squad news which is coming out on Wednesday so big week next week join us then 